So um, I guess it would probably be remiss uh, of us to talk about like making your own system and about like weird themes for systems without me mentioning the two attempts. I suppose technically there have been three attempts, but I don't want to talk about the superhero one. But the two attempts that I've made at like coming up with a role-playing game system. Mm-hmm. So one of them was the aforementioned Pacific Rim RPG, which is... I don't think I need to talk any more about that. Like, I talked about probably the only thing of particular interest in it, except that it kept the idea of having two Jaeger pilots, so you'd have, like, shared sheets. So it would, it would very much be like a, a one-shot thing. Mm. Largely because that would be when you could get people together. Mm. The other attempt I made was a really fucking ridiculous idea. Okay, yeah. That, that's... That, yeah, we're and all the, open the, to... The, the working title for it was Track Dogs. Right. And it was basically me going, ah, this is a good idea. I will take the two ridiculous things that I like and ram them together into this terrifyingly ridiculous, like, hole. Um, and the premise is... It's a post-apocalyptic setting set in an alternate universe where, um, basically, like um, uh, the like Doctor Beeching never existed and shit like that, and like pretty much the entire countryside. I think like the the idea that I had was that it would be unclear where this was set, and it was like you'd think that the major setting was probably in Europe, but there were no like real landmarks and shit to point that out. Yeah. Um, where, like, the, the countryside, basically, would be covered in these giant, uh, impassable, like, seas of, of greenery, of, like, trees and bushes and shit, um, that became almost completely dark as you went into them just because of how much, like, coverage there was. Mm. And you could very easily die. And so people in this post-apocalypse have, like, very small um, settlements, like, scattered across the landscape... And the only way to get anywhere from like point A to point B is by train, mm. because there are like train tracks everywhere, and like for some reason, I think I had at one point I had it to do with like nano machines or something. Yeah. Like the rail system very rarely, if ever, breaks down. Individual trains can, mm. but like the rail system itself, like the actual like electric power being supplied to the overhead masts and the the quality of the rails and whatnot, like that is all taken care of. Mm-hmm. So this entire um, society is centred on the act of like building and maintaining rail locomotives of all kinds okay. so that they can actually like travel and trade between, like, uh, between, between settlements. But also there tend to be like five um, parallel tracks on any given rail line. So you also have train pirates who okay. just yeah. like run up alongside you and, like, board you, and then people have, like, sword fights in tri-corner hats on the roofs of trains and shit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and then you get to basically, like, the entire reason for that ridiculously contrived setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is so yeah. that you can have trains yeah. and pirates and train pirates, like the, uh, the, the, the pilot that never got off the ground of the, the Brian Blessed vehicle train pirates, but played totally straight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I want to play this, but also it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever made. And mm. <laughs> I, I just thought it was funny, like, coming up with all of these, like, contrived reasons as to why, like, this incredibly indulgent concept would happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. 
I mean, the uh, the idea of like giant forests as seas is not strictly speaking mine. Like somebody else came up with that for an unrelated different thing. But even so, it's like sometimes people fall off the roofs of trains and like down the embankment into the forest and then they're never seen again. Okay, I've got a concept. Yeah. Um, and and another idea for for one of these games because I was I was looking at my manga bookshelf and I was like. A sort like a game set in one of these like I don't know how much BL manga you've read, Alex. I don't even know what that means. Boys love, Yowie, is, dude, is that, dude. All right, okay, okay. Um, not a huge amount, but I think a non-zero amount if we're including like webcomic published stuff. Mm. So we're we're kind of talking like sometimes you will get these very weird. I almost sort of consider them pocket universes and like alternate universes within themselves because you will never see any women in these stories whatsoever. So like one of these weird. Now is this po- is this like the times? Because I know sometimes when that happens in in like fan fiction, they try and explain why that's the case. Like it's it's a definitively explicit thing in the universe that there aren't any women, and sometimes it's just like there ostensibly are women because we're not mentioning it as weird that there aren't any. But they don't appear on on screen, as it were. The the other one, yeah. Uh, but basically, all all you do is you play these like the kind of because here's the thing about yaoi manga when you compared to like yuri manga or like yeah heterosexual hentai. Yaoi hmm. manga has like a long wide breadth of genres that it pulls from. You've got like the yakuza genre. You've got like the kind of like like thief kind of masked like gentleman thief kind of stuff you've got the schoolboys you've got like this you've got that you've got the cat boy stuff you've you know like you've got this a whole wide subsection of genres that are all in this monster of a genre you know like in, in most yuri manga it's just all schoolgirls, all schoolgirls, and they all figure out they're not a lesbian by the end of it they're all hentai it's just they're all straight people and they all just really like raping each other that's hentai and then you've got yaoi where it's just like all of this weird shit. So I'm thinking, you take all of the, the weird stuff, it's like, okay, but you, you all frame it around the idea that you're all basically in a, a yaoi manga universe, and I'm, I'm, I'm losing myself a bit here, I'm losing the idea a bit, but you know, you've got like a Yakuza guy, you've got like a schoolboy, you've got like a host club person, you've got this guy who's a cat boy, you know that kind of that kind of ridiculous sh- like like made RPG but with yaoi tropes. I don't know. Right, and, I- and 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 we're still having that same idea. Is like the ongoing joke is that it's not that there aren't any women, and you can you can talk about women as if they exist. Yeah. But there's like no stats for them in the book, and they don't ever turn up in any of the scenarios nope. or anything. So like you just like women exist, but we just somewhere don't, somewhere. <laughs> Yeah. Women exist conceptually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, like, that that's not just a thing in Yaoi. That happens in Yuri as well, but with dudes, obviously. It's like... Oh, does it? I, I, I thought that, like, a lot of Yuri would be, like, centred on this idea of, like, men being ever-present and, like, one of the, the, the women is like, I am tired of men now. I'm going to switch over because that's a thing that happens. Nah, nah. It's like, it's all set in like a school normally. Like normally an all-girls school. 
Ah, yes, an environment where it makes sense that there wouldn't be many men. Yeah, but, like, like conceptually you will hear about boys and characters having boyfriends, but I don't think I've ever read a Yuri manga where I've actually ever seen a boy. Like... Well, I mean, in a, in a Yuri manga, that just means, like, when you say, I have a boyfriend, like, surely that just means it's going to be a little harder than usual to get me in bed. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. But, like, you know, and you've got, like, yeah, but, like, in... in... Yaoi manga, like, and, like I've read Yaoi manga where I've seen women and women have been like major characters and like stuff like that. You know, like I, I, I read one not too long ago where like you even saw his sister and she was like central to the plot and mm. was actually a major force in getting the couple together because she was like, I really want my brother to be happy, and <laughs> like that's nice. That doesn't normally happen in manga, you know. I should maybe be clear to like anybody who's listening to this with an analytical ear. <laughs> I'm not, like, being blasé and, like, completely ignorant about why I assumed that, like, Yuri manga would be different in how it portrayed its context to Yaoi manga. Like, I know exactly why. Yeah. I just don't particularly want to talk about that at the moment because we'll never stop. No, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it just needs to... Anyway, I, I guess you just kiss up in reading a bit more... BL than, than normal lately and I was like thinking about yaoi tropes and then I looked at my bookshop and I was like holy shit I'm never going to be able to sell any of this at Oxfam <laughs> 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 fuck <laughs> oh. actually no I think you can't no you can't can you because it counts as pornography shit I feel like that's a rule that they have now it might not have been a rule that Oxfam had when they started I like I it's like erotica is different. Like erotica, you can sell erotica, but I feel like you, you've hentai... got to find the line between pornography and erotica. Yeah, well, yeah, but like erotica, you like it's in written word only. Whereas like I feel like drawings of stuff happening is a lot like photographs of stuff ha happening. It's true. So yeah, no, I'm not going to be able to. So we were talking <laughs> earlier um, about. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Yeah. The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy as an RPG system would be simultaneously A, cool, and B, fucking exhausting. <laughs> Can you imagine, like, how on you would need, like, not just the GM, but also the players to be to maintain that level of, like, like off the cuff, that level of, like, absurdist humour mm. the whole way? That would be... I mean, it would be fun, but God. Yeah. yeah, like, you would basically need to clone... You would basically need to um, find um, some DNA of Douglas Adams, clone him four times, yeah. make sure they grow up appropriately to an age where they're able to play Dungeons and & Dragons, and... And then <laughs> find out that by doing that, you actually killed what it was that was going to make them correct kind of absurdist humorist yeah 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 and, and they have like, to start oh, all over again they start all over again put the, put them in the clone incinerator and start all over again um <laughs> god that would be awful <laughs> yeah this batch of douglas adamses didn't turn out correctly so no. i had to put them in the clone incinerator <laughs> what can you do <laughs> you know why don't we just get like a whole load of really good improv comedians who are fans of Douglas Adams and like try and make them make their best approximation of don't question my methods Alan <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, maybe that would work but does that mean that like if one of the comedians 
fucks up, I get to put them in the clone incinerator because um I don't. Think I got so. that. I got that built especially for them. Maybe it depends what we put in the contract because presumably we're televising this. Uh, presumably, yeah, because otherwise, what's the fucking point, right? Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, you're just kidnapping four comedians for no reason and making them play like a tabletop role playing game with you. That's this year's House of Bards anniversary game, by the way. Um. We're, what we get kidnapped? No, or... we're go- we're going to kidnap. <laughs> Four popular comedians. Okay. <laughs> We're not. So. No. I'm actually just looking at like my shelf that has the most fiction on it and thinking mm. about all like the YA lit that would actually be like reasonably good to turn into mm. a tabletop role playing game. I'm looking like... at my I'm looking at my comic book shelf. I think it would be interesting to do a Frankenstein mobster verse. So Frankenstein w- w- mob wouldn't, wouldn't that be like um White Wolf but like noir? I mean, that's kind of like a little bit. So, like, yeah, I guess. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're looking at Noah. Yeah. Starman. Jumping off that, actually, there's probably a Hellboy, um, like tabletop role playing game. Oh yeah, def. Yeah. But I'm um, thinking also, um, pretty much anything Garth Nix has ever written could make a decent tabletop role playing game. Like, um, obviously, uh. Keys to the Kingdom works because you can have, like... Well, I mean, it works. I I, I feel like Keys to the Kingdom doesn't quite work as a, like, setting that you're trying to build a game off, but it's good for inspiration for, like, that kind of weird setting where everything has a bunch of rules that protagonists don't really understand and is, like, doing things to them against their will, and everything... Like, if you liked it when we talked in the Halloween episode about vampires having forbiddance, you'd probably really like a Keys Keys to the Kingdom-inspired, like, um game where everything has these weird folkloric rules that you can't break or that bad things will happen to you if you break and there's also like main characters who are like conscious all the time of the fact that they become more a component part of this world they're in the longer they stay in it and there's also the old kingdom which would probably work because it has like a very well established um magic system and i think has like maps and stuff as well and then if you go into science fiction, there's Shades Children, which would probably be pretty great to just, like, play straight as a tabletop RPG. That you're, like, these this group of, like, post-apocalyptic teenagers in Australia mm. who are, like, running away from being turned into, like, horrible um, cybernetic monstrosities. Mm. Oh, that reminds me of a, uh, another YA series. Well, not a YA. A young, young adult book. Mm. Um... On the similar idea of jumping off from cybernetic monstrosities, it's called Unwound or something like that, and basically it's a, a kind of like a post something future. God knows what happened. Um, where basically they were like, okay, so basically when a bunch of people reach the age of sixteen, basically get made brain dead and get used for like organ donations and stuff like that. Just a population of teenagers get used for that, uh, and it's like randomly selected. That's effectively the plot of Shades Children, except it's all humans, the age is 14, and instead of getting used for being organ donors, they're, like, turned based on, like, you know, what kind of of, um, body type they have into one of a variety of, like, cybernetic monstrosities, so that, Mm. like, a group of super beings from another dimension can, like, play war games. Yeah, yeah, no, I I, I get you. Like, whereas in Unwound, it's just, like, a really awful terrible solution to a real world problem we have that mm. i mean i suppose the tory government could do that but like <laughs> like yeah. yeah i mean i can see that happening um yeah 
I remember I once played made up like a like not a tabletop roleplay scenario, but like a forum roleplay scenario that was like this hellish, um, not post-apocalyptic, but dystopian universe where mm. impoverished teenagers are um, captured and like utilized basically as um, makeovers for like rich old people. Yeah. Where they just get like their um, consciousness overwritten. Yeah. And then like you know w- worn like an outfit. Yeah. By these people, by 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 the bourgeoisie. Yeah. Which was honestly pretty fucking horrifying. Yeah. I mean that that could legitimately be a young adult like novel. Like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could. It could also be like a tabletop RPG because you'd probably be able to yeah. play it as like an intrigue type of thing where like yeah. you're never entirely sure. Because presumably you'd be in like the resistance or something. Yeah. Call of Cthulhu, never... where instead yeah. of fighting Cthulhu, you fight the bourgeoisie and find out the horrendous, horrific plans mm. of what they plan to do to the young people. Fucking baby boomers. Am I right? <laughs> Call, Call of baby boomers. <laughs> I mean, there's also Trail of Cthulhu, which is like Call of Cthulhu, but like more explicitly like gumshoey. Yeah. Oh my uh, god! So Achtung Cthulhu, which is Cthulhu, but also Nazis. Yeah. Okay. Right. Right. I know you mentioned Gumshoe, and that's just reminded me. Ace Attorney, a role-playing game where you play characters in Ace Attorney, and that explicitly like over-the-top, very colourful, bunny ears lawyer and, type and, and, style. And the the, G, the GM can like constantly keep up making legal precedent for things because <laughs> yeah, yeah, law doesn't matter in Ace Attorney. <laughs> no, it does not. Like obviously the GM is the judge and like he like you know he's you know he's playing very you know like and like I don't know characters switch between being different witnesses and there's one character who's yeah. the prosecution one character who's the defense and then like one like two players decide on we're going to be like different witnesses and stuff like that and you just improv a whole crazy court case that obviously has a real solution that the 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 DM's cooked up. Yeah, I'm, it- I'm envisioning like um, you have. Six players, right? Yeah. You have the GM, who is sometimes the judge and sometimes just, like, an omnipresent god GM, depending on what's needed. Yeah. You have two... I want to say, like... Yeah, you you, you have um, probably three people who are, like, actual, like, proper um, characters, where you have one of them is whoever, like, like the the Phoenix Wright or Apollo Justice, like, stand-in. Yeah. One of them is... Like the sort of rivalish opponent, like um, the person you play is always the defense lawyer, right? So this would be the prosecution. Yeah. And one of them is like the um, Maya or somebody, like like the 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 sidekick who like goes to all of the investigatory stuff with yeah. Yeah. Phoenix or whoever. Yeah. And then the two other players are sort of like semi GMs, where like the GM lets them into some stuff, but not yeah. other stuff. And then with that information, they come up with like a whole crop of, like, characters who could be met during the investigatory steps yeah. by either the prosecution or the defence, mm. and then ask to come in as witnesses. Yeah. Which would oh. be a really cool yeah. dynamic, like, to have people who are, like, halfway between players and GMs. Yeah. Actually, I think as well you would also have another player on the um, prosecution side who would play Dick Gumshoe. That's true, actually. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, who, who is like seven, seven people is is a large number, but I think you would still want two people to like have yeah. different perspectives on the uh, yeah on the whole being a like yeah like I feel thing. I feel you can do it with just one. Well, but... obviously you you wouldn't necessarily need Maya and Dick, so you could cut no. it down to four players. Yeah, 
Or even three, actually, if you just had, like, one who was, like, all of the witnesses. Yeah. But then, obviously, as well, you know, like, um, Maya and Dick, they can be called to the stand as witnesses because, like, obviously Dick is a police officer. Yeah, and Maya is a psychic and also knows stuff that Phoenix has seen and can, yeah. like, corroborate it. Yeah. That's true. And, see, this is the worst thing. I feel like this would work best as a LARP. <laughs> It absolutely was. Because if you do it as a LARP, then you can include, like, basically as many people in the, like, um, witness-type roles as you like, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you can, basically. You could even have those people, like, be the, the crowd who sometimes interact in the in the games, like, otherwise. And yeah. And sometimes they get to the stand and obviously they take on a role of somebody else because you don't yeah. always oh, want God. the witnesses. Yeah, oh, God. Because obviously in Phoenix, right, there's always, like, different, like, prosecutors as well. So you have, like... Yeah. You have different characters, like, you have, like... And so, also, like, like, I feel like this works best as a LARP because a lot of LARPs are done at conventions. Yeah. And the thing about conventions is that people, oh. like, tend to wear costumes which would sometimes be phoenix wright costumes but every fucking like prosecutor of the day character in phoenix wright i look at them and i'm like what the fuck are you wearing yeah oh what, my why God. are we supposed to assume that you're a lawyer like just just Im- imagine this line and imagine the ensuing curse the prosecution would like to call deadpool to the stand right see i i believe that i mean i, I believe <laughs> that, that he would be like a witness <laughs> rather than like a lawyer but i believe that like, alright, so if you're a con organiser and you're looking for, like, a cool LARP, Phoenix Wright. Phoenix Wright. Fi- fig- figure out some rules, because that sounds fun. Yeah. I've no idea what the crime would be. Um, but it kind of feels like you'd all be, like, improving it to begin with, and it would be, like, ultimately the judge's, the judge GM's decision as to, yeah. A, what the correct answer is, and B, yeah. what answer they were going to give based on how it was played. Yeah, but I also feel like if um, the defense or the prosecution's reasoning is solid enough. They can just. Oh like, yeah, go definitely. With that. Like, oh, only the GM knows the actual answer. So, like, if they get convinced that that answer is wrong yeah. by the defense or the prosecution, they could just like change it. And it be yeah, fine. because again, that that would happen in a Phoenix Wright game. I'm I'm sure that like if Phoenix Wright got super meta and was a LARP, it would be like, actually, you know what? You've co- you've convinced me. Fuck this is the actual solution. You're correct, Phoenix. <laughs> Now I'm just, you like, thinking of ways to make it more ridiculous. And, like, one of the ways that I'm thinking of is that, like, the prosecution and the defense both have, like, an assistant character. Well, yeah. who's not a character, like, an assistant player. Yeah. Who just has this board and, like, a tape recorder. Yeah. And the board has, like, you know, the background of when they make, like, a ridiculously, like, um, uh, violent accusation yeah. on it. And they just hold it up behind their head and, like, put the music on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold it. Objection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, you'd have to have like a whole load of flashcards, like some of them that actually just say those things, yeah. and one of them that's just that background, and they just sort of like wiggle it about a bit. Yeah. Wait a minute. Um... To like show the, the the blue streams. Yeah. That's not necessary, but I feel like if you're going to do that at a con with enough people, you probably would get into like doing like goofy special effects like that. Yeah, like you you want basically you we need stage ninjas as well. If that's what you're saying. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like. If you're like involving like fifty people, yeah, then like stage ninjas are a must. Yeah, yeah, man, this sounds like. Such and a... also, I actually like, know someone who all, organizes laps. I'm gonna pitch them this idea and see what they think. <laughs> yeah, because it's like that sounds like a lap I would actually play. I know, right? God, that would be amazing. Because it would be, it would be cool. I would, I would 100 percent want to play a dick gumshoe though. Like. I, I, I... <laughs> 
<laughs> to be clear, I say it would be cool. I mean it would be fun. Yeah, when I think yeah. of things that are cool, a bunch of nerds in costume in a room all <laughs> pretending to be lawyers in a universe where lawyers are like laughably bad at being lawyers is quite possibly the least cool thing I can imagine. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think as well, I like the idea of incorporating other fictional characters into this as well, like yeah. let's bring Deadpool into the stand or like... Well, I think it, w- it would be the player's choice as to whether like they are somebody, they are the actual character that they're cosplaying or whether they're a lawyer or witness in the Phoenix Wright universe who happens to dress like that and nobody thinks it's weird. <laughs> Like, that would be one of the rules of the... Um, I think if, if somebody gets called as a witness, like, one of the rules of the game should be that only the person playing the defence attorney is allowed, and only once, to comment on their appearance. Everybody else thinks it's entirely normal. Yeah. I like, imagine just shit like, oh, who's the prosecutor for this case? Well, we have a guest prosecutor. It's Defender of the Universe, Voltron. Like, shit like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the judge, the, oh, the the judge presiding over this case is Starscream. Like, <laughs> Megatron has fallen. I, Starscream, will have order in the court. Imagine a case where Megatron has died. Right, and you have to kick her out. Like, you you presume him, and it's like obviously Starscream. Yeah, it's, it's really obviously Starscream, but Starscream yeah. is the judge, God, so you have to like find some idea, way of proving it. I really want to do it. Yes. <laughs> I don't think that's that. let's pack it up. We've we've reached we, we've uh, reached the inevitable conclusion of this, which is I don't, this is the thing. Like, I don't want to end on an idea for a LARP, but I don't. I don't amazing. honestly know how we're gonna top that. I don't actually know if I have As any more said, ideas. All ideas on this, you can absolutely go do, but like that, that one especially, like, like laugh, if you, you actually have to invite us, that's if, if you, the only way I'm gonna. Yeah, I, either invite us or at the very least film it so that yeah. we can see. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. The thing is, though, I'm kind of feeling like Phoenix Wright is culturally pervasive enough, and people like cosplaying Phoenix Wright enough at cons. Somebody's yeah. probably already done this. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, if it's not been a lap, it's definitely been at least like a semi-improvised like oh, yeah, stage yeah, absolutely. piece. Yeah. So yeah, I guess if you're looking for a uh, an appropriate con activity, that's a lap you could do that would be less cringeworthy than normal laps. Laps. I mean, are... I feel like any lap that is, by its very definition, campy and silly, is going to be better than other laps. Hmm just because there's only so far you can go with being serious in a LARP. Uh, yeah, I think so. So, like, something like um, uh, Phoenix Wright is perfect for a LARP, just because, yeah. you know, that series is really fucking silly to begin with. Yeah. <sighs> I feel like if you were going to do, like, an action LARP, then Deadpool, maybe? Although, to be honest, I feel like the decentralised nature of a LARP would kind of work against Deadpool, because he does do a lot of, like, fourth wall breaking. Yeah. So, maybe not. Although, on a tabletop RPG, like, I could definitely see Deadpool. Mm. I mean, I, I've, I've played games with people who've wanted to play Deadpool. Like, um, actual Deadpool, or they've wanted to play a character who gets to... Uh, yeah, like, break the fourth wall, essentially. And, and it's it worked for the most part. Like, yeah. a, a character who... Uh, th- this particular character, who I think we called him Question Mark, mm. <coughs> um, is, um, 
like he was aware that he was a played character and he could also do stuff like he could hear the background noise and he could hear other players commentary of things that were going on and the player would answer back in character if you were out of character so oh, the, right. the player was always in character that player was always in character unless he specified that he wasn't but he was still aware in character what <laughs> he was uh, saying and uh, uh, other characters would be like who are you talking who to who are you talking to exactly yeah I was like who are you talking to mate I mean that sounds kind of cool yeah. I, I feel like obviously that works slightly better if you're doing like a streamed game or something like something that has an audience yeah because then you can actually talk to the audience but it still probably works um otherwise yeah but like you know like he would he was basically stuff allowed to ask the dm questions and the dm would go yeah mm. no maybe dude and stuff like that um so i was thinking right what if you don't necessarily want to like go as far afield as either using like a really obscure and possibly bad um system or making up your own but you still want like variety and theme hmm and I'm like, well, in that case, you could do worse than the, uh, God, what are they called? Um, right, so you know Wizards of the Coast owns Dungeons and Dragons? Yeah. Wizards of the Coast also owns Magic the Gathering. Yeah. And ever since the Battle for Zendikar block, which kind of makes sense as a time to start doing this, they've been releasing these, like, um, crib sheets for running Dungeons and Dragons scenarios set on the current Magic the Gathering plane. Yeah. And it makes sense for them to do that on Zendikar because before like the Eldritch Horror Eldrazi turned up Zendikar was like Dungeons and Dragons the plane. Yeah. Like it was full of um, like adventurers fighting monsters and traps in dungeons and shit like that. And then the Eldrazi turned up which was a bit weird but there you go. Mm -hmm. So they did that but then they also did one for Innistrad and they did one for Kaladesh. Which, like, Innistrad is, like, Ravenloft-type gothic horror. Mm. Also with Eldrazi. Yeah. Now, now. But I think, I think like, there were options for you to play it with or without. Because, <laughs> like, obviously the Eldrazi only turn up in the second set. And there was Optional a whole, like... Eldrazi for all your... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, that was the return to Innistrad block. So there was an entire Innistrad block without any Eldrazi. And it was just gothic horror. Mm. Um, and then there was one for Kaladesh, which is, like... Um, futuristic gear punk with it's like steampunk india but yeah. with like straw communism mm -hmm. it's like a really interesting um setting to play and it has like a whole lot of, of races and stuff so i say pay attention to those if you want like a fairly regular supply of like really different settings to play because mm. obviously uh what, what's the next one uh, the next one is amonkhet which is going to be a Ancient Egyptian-inspired plane with gods uh, lorded over by Nicol Bolas, who is, like, the probably the biggest of big bads in magic, except yeah. maybe the Eldrazi Titans, but they're all gone for the moment, so probably it's him now. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people are speculating, because I think there's, a, there's an underwater plane after that, although that's not been confirmed yet, so it might not be true. But then a lot of people are speculating that we get to see the Phyrexians again, who will be very different again because they're like, um, they're more of a, they're like that like body horror, um, cyber gore type stuff. Yeah. It's like they they take you to bits and put, <laughs> they take you to bits and put science inside you, uh, yeah. mm. as as a great troll fanfic writer wrote, um, and then turn you into like horrible assimilationist cyborg like the Borg. 
Yeah. Like the like the Borg, but stickier. Like the Borg, but stickier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if they ever turn up, then probably that um, plane shift. That's it. They call it plane shift. These uh, these like little um, crib sheet PDFs, which are free, by the way. They're completely mm. free on on the Wizards website. Um, like if they ever turn up again, that plane shift will probably be pretty neat. I don't know like what the plot would be though if they do turn up. So I don't know like what particular things they might have. I don't know. I kind of feel like once they get the ball rolling, um, some fans might like go back in time and do like fan plane shifts for earlier planes that are unlikely to be revisited. Yeah. So I guess if that's something that interests you, possibly because you want to have enough plane shifts to actually be able to play Planeswalkers. <laughs> Which is a different kind of game entirely. That were, um, you know, I really would like... I guess because I've been um, thinking about the Marvel comic book series Exiles lately. Um, Exiles is an exiled from a place. I've been thinking about a, a basically a game where you play people who go from parallel universe to parallel universe. Yeah, which is what Planeswalkers do. Yeah. Um, then, you know, keep an eye on that. Uh, I just remembered one of the games that I thought of, um, which was... Uh, I think it's called Exalted? Yeah. Um which is basically, uh, I guess, like, the the best property to compare it to is God of War, mm. where the idea is you, you are a divine super being. Like, that's mm. your basic starting point. You're so far above mortals that they don't even register. But you still have a power level comparative to other divine super beings. Like, maybe you're just a demigod or something, and you have to sort of work up that level, which sounds kind of anime, and to an extent <laughs> it is, it's not yeah. as anime as the actual anime-based games that also have that kind of premise. Yeah. I, I think it's from, like, sort of, like, the classic tabletop era. Uh, there's also, um, if you're, like, I'm almost down with stuff like Dungeons & Dragons, except I want it to be based on, like, the old... Um, want it to be based on, like, Conan the Barbarian and stuff. Um, oh, shit, what's that game called that friend Andrew likes? Um, Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea is apparently worth checking out. Because it's that kind of thing, but everybody is, like, a human slab of meat. <laughs> or, like, a human with a beard and sorcery. And it's it's all very dark. It's, it's the kind of thing that was, like, published in Weird Tales, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so if that's more your speed, then uh, maybe check that out. Because it's otherwise very similar, but uh, it does have that, that kind of... Um, you know what I think would be a cool... Um, I mean, obviously, there is an RPG of this. Yeah. Uh, but it's a CRPG, not a tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, Arcanum is a really cool um, setting that could happen. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, in theory, you could like do it by adapting um, Shadowrun to be steampunk. But, yeah. Hmm. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so for, for the uninitiated, um, Arcanum of Steamworks and Magic Obscura is a Troika game. Troika made Arcanum and uh, the, te- the Temple of Elemental Evil official video game adaptation, and Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. Yeah. And a few other things before they went bankrupt because they weren't actually very good at managing money. Or, indeed, at making video games, but, like, their video games have a certain amount of charm to them, which has, yeah. like, kept them, kept them going. Arcanum was about a steampunk society, and I mean steampunk in, like, the sense that it had had an industrial revolution, so it's not just, like, everything has gears on it and shit, and this is, like, a science fiction setting. It's... We have trains and shit. Uh, But it was a high fantasy universe that had had an industrial revolution. So you still had, like, elves and gnomes and trolls, I think. I think, like, you could play as a half-ogre or as a half-orc and, like, stuff like that. 
there's dwarves as well. And so it was it was in this weird position where like it was just at the turning point between feudalism and like sword and sorcery and shit. And like there were some very early firearms and stuff. And I think that that's an interesting point. It also had the fashion, which is weirdly like I feel like a lot of steampunk sort of like um plays with Victorian fashion and pays tribute to it without actually like portraying it because a lot of the time it tends to go toward like what you could wear now that is steampunk-esque whereas Arcanum tended to like portraying its characters in the sort of like stuffy wearing too many shirts kind of like yeah things that you actually see people from the Victorian era wearing in photographs and you know I, I, I thought that that's a cool idea um it was a cool game it had a lot of problems um it especially has a lot of problems now when you like try and run it on modern systems um as an example if you try and mo- run it on modern resolutions which you basically have to because the game itself doesn't actually have scaling for a lot of its ui elements like at all so there'll be just be like a tiny menu on the screen that you can't <laughs> click on um the game doesn't actually process ai for anything that would be off the normal maximum screen size so like characters walk away and then they just stop mm. but unlike uh baldur's gate or icewind dale is probably not going to get a modern update because one of the reasons that troika is a thorny subject is that like it's one of those ones where the rights are like scattered to the wind and yeah like it would have to be a whole load of companies like coming together to like put put them put the jigsaw back together before anybody could actually like make a remake of it. So you'd probably be more likely to see like a um, an inspired by type of thing, mm. which is unfortunate. But yeah, but I feel like as a tabletop RPG that would probably be really cool. And there probably is one that exists like that. Oh yeah. I mean yeah. Part of the problem with talking about you know ideas for tabletop RPGs is that we kind of have to like disclaimer everything with this probably exists. Yeah, this probably does already exist because nerds are weird and very creative. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, this is probably already a thing, but if we but if it is, uh, we haven't heard of it yet. Like, that's that's the Yeah, and I mean obviously like several iterations on the same concept exist. Yeah, like uh, I'm sure there is, you know, I'm sure there is a game where you play as cats in a cat cafe vying for yeah, attention. Probably. This pro- that probably exists, but I haven't seen one. It might one. be like a 4chan porn game where all the cats are actually cat girls, but uh, that yeah, basic premise yeah. probably exists. Yeah, 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 that definitely... Yeah. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's, uh. that's unfortunate. Man, I'm so glad Hustle Cat was like a, a cute game yeah. rather than a gross well, game, I mean, weren't you? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it has body horror in it. Like, very minor body horror. It does, yeah. I mean, it depends on, like, your particular, like, triggers when it comes to body horror. Yeah. Like, maybe some people are really wigged out by the idea of, like, growing, like, whiskers and shit. Yeah. Like, I mean, sharp things protruding out of your face. Yeah. I can guess, like, you know, like, I definitely found it icky, but I wasn't like, oh, hmm. God. Um, that kind of a thing. Um... But yeah, I, th- I think we're kind of running out of steam a little bit now. We are. Like, I feel like if we wanted to do another, like, big idea, uh, we would need to make, like, a, a big push for mm. what's another, like, idea. And I, I just, I don't know. Because, like, as I said, the problem with this is so many of these ideas are like, that's a yeah. cool idea. It probably already exists. Uh, a game where you play a British disabled person trying to 
pass their PIP assessment. <laughs> okay, I know a lot of people who are trying to like pass PIP assessments or appeal failed PIP assessments. Yeah, yeah, currently. yeah. So I don't, I, I don't think that I'd be able to sell that to many of them because they would be no. like, I don't want to play a game based on this concept because it was traumatic enough in real life. Absolutely. And to people who don't have to deal with it in real life and don't know a lot of other people who have had to, it would probably just be weird and confusing. Yeah. And not really, like, give them an insight into my problems. Yeah. That said, in basically all games, like um, uh, computer games and tabletop games, I'm up for more disabled protagonists. Like, I, yeah. I was thinking recently, I was like, man, I can't actually think of, like, any game that I've played where you play, like, the protagonist is, like, motion disabled. Yeah. Like, no game where you play somebody in, like, a wheelchair or using crutches or anything. Like, mm. the closest I can think is that one really brief segment in Mass Effect 2 where you play as Joker. Yeah. That was really... That was interesting. It, it was a cool segment, but it's like, that's not the whole game. And... No. It's like, um... I'm, I'm like, I know there's that horror game coming out that's about a blind person who sees through echo echolocation, and that's how... The, the game world is set. That sounds cool. It's interesting, but, real, but, but obviously blind people do not see through echolocation. Yeah, so. but it's like obvious. But it's like yeah, obviously though that would be a horror game, you know, like yeah, it's like I kind of just want. I, I don't know what kind of genre of game it would be, but like a game where you just have a like, not even necessarily a game where you just have a visibly disabled protagonist. Although more of those would be cool. Yeah. Because we do have like, especially in science fiction, you do have. Oh like, no! Yeah. Like, like disabled main characters. Yeah. Like, maybe they have um, special glasses because their like sight would normally be um, yeah reduced or something. And as soon as you get into like Deus Ex style um, yeah. transhumanism, then you like run into questions about disability. Yeah, but you but, you, you know there's like you know to be honest, I kind yeah. of I kind of just want to see like a game set in the modern day or very near future where you play as a character in a wheelchair. Yeah, I think that'd be interesting. I think I... it would be interesting because, like, obviously in in a lot of video games, right, you have access problems. There are some things that the character can't do. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of those things make a lot more sense if you stick the character in a wheelchair. Like, sometimes when you're uh, playing a video game, you're like, why can't my character walk up this, like, you know, five-inch high step? Yeah. And suddenly if you're in a wheelchair, it makes perfect sense why they can't do that. Yeah. I think or, definitely... Yeah. Like, you know how, like... I'm thinking in, like, Lucia, how you can, like, skate on walls and stuff like that? Yeah. Maybe a character in a wheelchair whose wheelchair is somewhat, like, cool and gravity-defying and allows you a lot yeah. of motion in the world. I should you... be clear, I'm not I'm not talking about, like, a sympathy game where, like, yeah. it's just you, you roll around and there's nothing to do and... Um, you're 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 in a wheelchair and it shows the non no I don't mean that kind of thing. Yeah. I also don't necessarily mean like a game that um, superizes the disabled person because I feel like a lot of media does that and it doesn't always work out well. Yeah. I like, mean, personally, a game I, that has yeah. like another another like separate premise, but also incidentally, the main character is like um, motion disabled and in a wheelchair and. Like the movement controls take that into account. Yeah, I think that would be cool. Yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. how you would do it as a tabletop RPG, so I don't know exactly how. Relevant no, it is I, th I think I could definitely it. see, I could definitely see some sort of like RPG based on like choices and decisions and stuff like that. 
so like kind of like a life is strange esque game yeah and you're in a wheelchair oh god though that would be really difficult as a gm like, <laughs> I, I i've i've gm stuff that's kind of like that where yeah. you have to like pay attention to every single decision that the players are making and how it might like yeah. affect the wider world yeah it is so difficult yeah but i was talking about like as like a, a, a as like a video game though like mm. that that would work i think yeah but i i think like basically i'm thinking like a lot of games it would work it would just be this character is in a wheelchair like that mm. that's that's the difference like you could do to an extent there would need to be some technological changes but you could still have a character who was like an elite sniper in a wheelchair like yeah that's true i was just thinking actually <laughs> i have an idea right yeah so there's a terry pratchett book called mm. something and the premise of it is that there's a group of old um uh warriors uh, yeah God, what's it called? Cohen, Cohen the Barbarian, <laughs> and it's about like the this like group of um, legendary warriors who got old, yeah, and are now on their like they're they're on a mission basically to go and uh, what is it? They're, they're going to try and find God, but mm. I can't remember why. Yeah. Um, uh, oh right, he's going to go and find uh, God. Uh, because the civilized world has come and he doesn't have adventures anymore. Yeah. And he thinks that like the gods can fix that. Yeah. Um, and the thing about it is that he has this like entourage of um, other legendary or semi-legendary warriors, and lots of them are disabled, partly yeah. because they're old and partly because they're legendary warriors, and you know you've had your leg bitten off by a yeah. giant fish or something. Yeah. So I think it would be kind of interesting yeah if you had like a role-playing game where you're all disabled for some reason yeah <laughs> but like but also that it makes sense that you would all be interacting with each other yeah like um like it would depend on the on the genre like you could do like cohen the barbarian where you're all old and you're all like already legendary in kind of like an exalted way yeah and then you all have to like work around your disabilities with each other because obviously like not everybody would have the same one right yeah so some people would be able to do things that other people couldn't which i think would really encourage teamwork but you could also have say um a sort of like stranger things-esque type setting where you're all like part of your school's um disabled students society or whatever yeah and that's how you all know each other and how you become friends and then weird shit starts happening and you all decide that you're gonna like investigate it because it doesn't seem like anybody else can is like concerned with it yeah that would be cool but i like i like the idea of not only of making players play disabled characters mm. but also of like making players play a di diverse set of disabled characters in order to get them to work together yeah i think that that sounds really cool but yeah, I, I I think that would be cool. Obviously, you it would depend on the GM and on the players as to how tastefully it was run. Yeah. But I feel like as long as the idea was stipulation is your character has to be a has to have a disability, but otherwise build a character as normal. Yeah. It would probably be pretty decent. And I mean, obviously, like sometimes players would be like, I'm not really on board with this premise, so I'm going to make my character like deaf in one ear or something. Yeah. And that would be a time for the GM to be like, haha, you thought that you were like fobbing me off, but actually 
like I'm going to bring up a situation where that's relevant and you do have to like yeah. rely on your, your, your friends yeah I don't know I feel like that would be cool yeah I think so yeah I, I think it's um yeah I especially kind of like the idea of like a Stranger Things type thing where you're all part of like I haven't actually seen Stranger Things, so I'm basically going entirely off aesthetic here. But... Yeah, no, but, um, like, the, the idea of a, a group of kids or high school kids or whatever who are all in, like, the same, I guess... Social group for some reason or other. Yeah, but, like, you know, like, special needs class is what it was yeah. called back in my day. Um, <laughs> there is that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, where, you know, you all had, like, a diverse group of people who all had, like, various different learning difficulties for whatever reason. Hmm, yeah. You know, and, like... Like, they're concerned about something weird going on and everyone's just fobbing them off because they're kids, but also disabled kids. So it's like... Yeah. yeah. Again, this also works as just a straight-up TV series. This is the thing. Like, basically, any idea you can think of, mm. it doesn't well, matter think... what it is, in, in any kind of medium, there is literally no reason never to not have a disabled character because you're just like... Yeah, you're just... I think you could also use this like medium as a way of establishing the strengths and weaknesses of all the different characters. Like, for instance, you could have... Um, if, we, if we're going with the idea of a special needs class, yeah. you could have, for instance, a player who plays a character who is, like, dyslexic. Yeah. Um, which means... Uh, and, and in this case, that means that uh, they're able-bodied, so they can do, like, a lot of um, yeah. stuff that other physically disabled characters can't. Yeah. But whenever there's a puzzle that involves like reading something or yeah. comprehending a large amount of information, you're like, eh, yeah, I don't. And to be clear, because um, the way I'm talking about this, it kind of sounds like if players at the table have actual disabilities that might get in the way that way, that would be a problem. Yeah. Um, this is entirely like you know sometimes when you're a bard in D and D, and the D the GM is just like you play a really good song. Because neither you nor the GM actually know anything about music. Uh, yeah. So it's like, if you were actually dyslexic and you wanted to play a dyslexic character, it would be kind of shitty of the GM in that situation to say, uh, here's the actual puzzle that I made for this this thing. Look at it and determine that you can't like figure yeah. it out. Yeah. Or I suppose it would be more relevant in a situation where you are actually dyslexic, but you decided to play a different kind of character. And yeah. it's like, well, my character can figure this out, but I can't. Yeah. We've already talked on the podcast about like my opinions about how you are not your character. And yeah. Sometimes your character has abilities that you as a person do not, and that's yeah. fine. Yeah. But no, I, I think that's probably not as strong as I, an idea as the Felix Wright, uh, Phoenix Wright lot, but I'm yeah. still interested in yeah. how it might be handled. Yeah. But, you know, I just think, like, basically in, in anything <clears throat> ever through all of <laughs> time and fiction... There's always room for a like disabled person. I think there's oh, a yeah, lot of time. I, I think that as well. It's like it's like, it's like like <laughs> how could we fit a character in with like a, a mobility disability in, into a video game? Basically, any really video game genre yeah. ever. It's just your character yeah. is in a wheelchair. Yeah, and I mean obviously, like when your character is is in a okay. So um, there's a a uh, oh god, what's the game called? Um, in any case, the the game that I'm thinking of, um, one of the uh, like things that you almost instantly notice because one of the first things you're like confronted with in the game is a mirror, right? Yeah. Your character has a broken arm. Yeah. Like she mentions it a couple of times that she broke her arm, and it's not related to anything that happens in the game. She just broke her arm the way people sometimes do. Yeah. In yeah, and that acts as like a reason for a lot of the stuff that happens in the game. Hmm. Where like you know you have difficulty picking things up and you have difficulty running away because you've got to keep your arms straight and stuff like that. 
Yeah. And it's never really explicitly said. It's more that you just sort of like fall into this um, this way. You're like, oh, of course, uh, of course, you would have difficulty with with that thing specifically, because you know it, it's it's um, you, you have a broken arm. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it mainly comes into like manipulating objects in your hands. Like it's an explanation as to why it is difficult for you to do that. I think it'd be interesting as well, because um, th- there aren't, weirdly, there aren't a lot of characters in video games that wear glasses. I don't know if you've noticed this. <laughs> um, there's certainly not a lot of protagonists who like no. wear glasses in a way that like comes up. Yeah, like I, I think it would be interesting. For example, I mean, Gordon Freeman does. I suppose he's probably one of the most famous. Yeah, but that you know, like it, it is. There are like, it's weird because like having glasses is like the like. Having some form of sight impairment is like the most common disability for human beings. Is the fact that most of us don't have twenty twenty perfect vision. Like, like, mm, yeah, you know, people. But I think a lot of the time it's not considered as a disability no. because it's a problem that we've like fixed so thoroughly. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, you know, like that, like if you lose your glasses, there are some people who literally can't see without their glasses. Like, yes, we fix this, but again, it, this is a problem for certain people. Some people cannot see very well without their glasses. I know I'm not allowed to drive if I'm not wearing my glasses. Like, this is... You know, like, we don't see it as a disability, but it is technically a disability. Oh, yeah, it, it, it absolutely is. Yeah. Okay, so the game I was thinking of is called Dead Secret. Right. Uh, and I thought, because of, like, the stylistic choices it makes and also the themes in it, that it was a South Asian horror game. It's not. It was made in Silicon Valley. Oh, right. Oh. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's a horror game about a house in 1965 the main character has a broken arm right it's fine i mean if, if you want to like go and check it out to see how it handles that that's probably fine but i would say yeah. just like watch somebody else play it yeah um i feel like i mean this is a really good conversation about um disability in games i think we maybe didn't get onto when we were talking about playing outside yourself yeah but, but i don't know necessarily that it's like particularly relevant to this subject so. i mean we went on a lot of tangents this episode so i think when we like just figure out how much content we actually have in the episode and we could just like this is ostensibly a conversation where we come up with funny ideas for role-playing games but also half of it is that but like you know we have tangents in this podcast before when there's not enough oh yeah absolutely. content <laughs> to fill an hour an think, hour and a like, bit there's probably going to be a lot in this episode just because the like concept is mm. so interesting that um you know i at least have like there's been times in the past few hours when i'm like i want to keep going with this because i feel we can do it again and it would be good yeah but i do feel like we've uh, we've probably reached the the end of the the, yeah. where the conversation can mm. go today yeah i do kind of want to do this again but obviously i think so we, yeah we said at the at the beginning of the game that you know we we're not going to get into the habit of doing this frequently because no. that's a not the premise of this podcast and b the premise of another much more successful podcast. Let's mm. let's be honest, much funnier than this. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I you know I you know you know anyway, yeah, definitely. I I think um, normally we're like, well, what have we learned this episode? We haven't really learned much this episode apart from. Phoenix Wright would make a fucking excellent laugh. That's what we've learned this episode. I guess. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I. I think. No, we achieved what we wanted to do. I'm. I'm. I feel like ultimately we came up with two games here. Yeah. The Phoenix Wright LARP and mm. 
everyone is disabled the game. Yeah, yeah. I'm interested in playing both of those. We also yeah. mentioned like a bunch of, of different games, including like ideas we've had in the past. Mm. Obviously, um, I find this topic incredibly interesting. I believe Beth does as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you have any ideas for tabletop games, feel free to post them in the comments, mm -hmm. provided wherever this is posted has comments. Right at the moment, we only post on YouTube, yeah. which yeah, does. Yeah. So you know, let us know, because mm -hmm. we'd probably be really interested in, in, in them. Mm -hmm. um, if you have any experience playing some of the more um, esoteric games we've, uh, we've mentioned today, share those with us as well. Mm -hmm. Unless the game in question was fatal, in which case only share it if it's really fucking funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, like, I, I think this was a su success. Um, I don't know what we're going to do next time, but I feel like... Because you, you're not free next Wednesday, right? No. Uh, what, what then that I what, what I might do with this episode is rather than like cut a huge amount of our like um, cut 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 a huge amount of our our dialogue out. I might like split it in two and upload one this week and the other next week. Yeah. Okay. Because I feel like this is an episode that works as you know a follow up with more. Yeah. Sure. Right. But again, well, I think we've got a lot of content for supplementary episodes as well. Oh, def like, definitely. I think like the whole like Sailor Moon thing, I'll probably like split out into a supplementary yeah. episode. All right, yeah. Uh, if you want to reach us anywhere, I'm Baroness. I'm at Baroness Banff on Tumblr um, and Twitter. Um, I am that also that on Twitch, but like, I don't really Twitch stream at the minute. Maybe one day. You 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 might in the future though, right? Because you said like currently your your internet is not making that possible. My internet's fine at the minute. The thing that's making it difficult right now is the fact that my computer turns off whenever I try to play a video game. And there, I don't know that. why. <laughs> I've also, like, it probably would not help that being on a zero-hour contract, you wouldn't be able to, like, make a schedule. Yeah. Well, I mean, I could definitely work up some kind of schedule, but the schedule would basically be whenever I'm off work and I'm not doing a certain time or whatever. But yeah, that, that would certainly get in the way. But I think... um Basically, they would be like short notice streams that would just happen whenever. But, you know, I definitely want to do Batman Silent Night, where I play Batman the Telltale series, but pick only the silent options, mm. because I think that would be funny. <laughs> and um, I think I definitely want to get cracking on Rainbow Road one day, and I want to finish playing Hustle Cat as well, so... Well... You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr as Cleaver Crumish, which I will spell in the description. I can't, I, I can't, not again. Um, you can also find me on Twitch under that name. I stream on Thursdays and Sundays. On Thursdays, uh, it's a bit up in the air at the moment. I probably am going to keep playing Darkest Dungeon, but uh, I'm open to like changing mm -hmm. that for something else. On Sundays, we have finished playing Stardew Valley, and we are currently playing Night in the Woods, which finally came out, and it's so good. It's so good, Beth, and I'm so happy and proud for, <laughs> for, for for Scott Benson and Bethany Hockenberry and Alec Haloka that like this thing that they worked on for like three years is actually like genuinely good. Well, okay. Well, okay. That's I, I yeah. guess this is uh, been that's, House that's, of Bards. That's 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 awesome. Um, I don't know. You know the drill by now. I don't know what the image is, but it's in the description. Um, it, there may actually be other images in this one, just because sometimes we talked about things that could really do with a. Uh, an accompanying image, but presumably if you were watching, you would know that. Yes. Whether whether that was the case or not. Mm -hmm. The music is by Kevin McLeod. Um, we will next see you when we next see you. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's it. So yeah. uh, thank you very much and 
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm showering the dark back. Um, I mean, maybe. I, ju- I just have some recommendations, that's all. Oh, well, if you have recommendations, then obviously. It's like, currently, I'd like, I change shows based on what I think the best category for the thing I want to play is. Yeah. And I was going to make um, Night in the Woods a signal boost, but that game turned out to, like, have a lot more public, like, knowledge than I was yeah. expecting it to. Yeah, yeah. Loads of people know about it. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just, it's just bath time then. Like, well, yeah. what, what what suggestions did you have? Um, It's one of um Kitty Horror Show's games. It's the one set in the house. I can't remember what the fuck it's called. K- Kitty Horror Show? What? Kitty Horror Show. She's an indie game dev who like explicitly just makes weird, glitchy horror games. Uh, oh, wait. I feel like I know might know what um, game you're talking Anatomy. about. Anatomy. There we go. That's what it's called. Oh, yeah. Um, I can't play Anatomy because I've uh. actually already seen it. Oh. I've seen somebody else play it. Oh. So I know, I know how it ends. Oh. How, like how it works. But no, Anatomy is really good, actually. No, yeah. And, uh, I, just, I just thought it would be interesting because it's just like fourth wall breaking. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. But no, I, I've actually like, seen it. as part of the horror of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's her only one she's charging money for, isn't it? It is. It's the only one she charges money for. Um, although it's like three dollars, um, yeah. I would say it's probably worth that if you're into like weird indie horror games. Yeah, Anatomy is is pretty decent. Yeah, it's just I've seen all of it. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I saw it because they played it on the Let's Nope, and it was like, oh wow, this that's actually like good. Yeah, but you know, it's, I feel all of Kitty Show's horror games are pretty. Yeah. Interesting, at least. Indie goals. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, Currently playing Night in the Woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm given to understand that Night in the Woods gets marginally scary like later on, so in theory I could have made it a show in the dark, but no, it's just I'm excited for that game to play it. And also, like, it's actually really good to stream, yeah. just because I have opinions on it and I do the voices, and like people also have like different opinions on it, mm-hmm. and we talk about it as I play it, and it's just good. And also I want May and B to kiss. <laughs> actually, I just want them to have, like, a good relationship that they can patch up together because it kind of feels like the game would allow that to happen but also I want them to kiss.